great, great God we have. Thank you, guys. Well, this is week four of a five-week series on marriage called From This Day Forward. And in this five-week series, we've been looking at uh, five commitments that we want to make. Uh, we're investing in those who are already married. We're investing in the lives of those who aren't but hope to be one day. And we're encouraging you to internalize these five commitments. And so in order to do that, uh, we've helped you to memorize them, and we actually have some hand motions that we use that illustrate them. So let's just walk through these. First one, yes, yeah, so you're good, good to go. Uh, we seek God. Seek God by praying together. Set a goal, praying together every day. Uh, next one is we fight fair. And this one has not only hand motions, remember, but it has facial expressions because we smile, because we fight fair. Fight for resolution, not victory, not mean-spirited. We're just duking it out in marriage to get to get things resolved. Uh, last week, we talked about have fun. That's roller coaster hands. Ooh, have fun in your marriage. Last week was a fun week. Uh, this week, uh, we're talking about staying pure. So we're washing the impurity off of our hands. Next week, we're going to talk about never give up. So I want to talk about how to stay pure in your marriage this week. And as we begin, I just want to kind of get a read on the audience here. So how many of you are married? If you're married, just put your hands up. Okay, great. Got hands all over the place. How many of you are not married? Hands up. Wow. Got a bunch of you that are not married. This is great. This is great for both groups. Now, whether you are married now or whether you hope to be married someday, uh, how many of you have a goal to commit adultery in your marriage? Anybody have the goal if you want to commit adultery? Okay. Uh, how many of you plan on getting addicted to porn? Porn on your computer, porn on your phone, you want to have a porn addiction? Anybody? Okay. Um, how about an emotional affair? You're not going to get physically involved with somebody, but you want to give your heart to somebody at work or on Facebook. want to have an emotional affair. Okay. It's interesting. You know, nobody raised their hands on any of those things. But statistics tell us that 75% of you will struggle with one or more of those things in your marriage. Nobody sets it as a goal. Nobody plans on it. But 75% of us will struggle with that in our marriage. Because if you don't plan not to do it, you will do it. I want to talk to you today about how to stay pure in your marriage. Hebrews 13, 4, beautiful Bible verse says this. It says, marriage should be honored by all. Circle that word, honored. If you're married, you honor the marriage covenant. If you're single, if you're a non-married person, you honor the marriage covenant. And what should we do with the marriage bed? The marriage bed should be kept, what? Pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Purity matters to God. Uh, how many of you? Uh, how many of you believe that? And this is not a trick question. Not, it's not a gotcha. How many of you believe that adultery is always wrong? You believe that adultery is always wrong? Uh, yeah, ninety percent of Americans believe that adultery is always wrong. What's interesting about that number is that number has increased in recent years. More people today believe that adultery is always wrong than used to believe that. 
What's even more interesting is that a University of California uh, study discovered that from 1998 to 2008, in that decade, the number of people committing the sin of adultery doubled. I mean, that's staggering. More people believe it's wrong, but twice as many people are falling prey to it. Why is impurity in marriage increasing? Well, there's a lot of reasons, but I want to give you three key ones. Uh, the number one is there are more temptations today than in the past. There are more ways to get in trouble today than there were 10 years ago. I mean, we've all heard of people who, who've had affairs by meeting on Facebook. You, know, you meet some guy or gal, they friend each other, and next thing you know, they're direct messaging each other, and then, you know, old flames, find old boyfriend, old girlfriend. And my pastor friends, it's just staggering number of people in our churches who, who wind up in trouble because of Facebook. Now, it is not Facebook's fault, okay? It, it's our fault. But it's a new temptation. You know, there are entire websites out there today that are devoted to helping people have affairs discreetly. Craigslist. On Craigslist, you can buy a bicycle, you can buy a bass boat, you can hire a prostitute. On Craigslist. Biggest game changer. Biggest game changer in temptation is the smartphone. Smartphone has changed our world. When I was a kid, in order to get porn, you had to have a friend who had a dad or an uncle who had a stash in the workshop, and you had to steal it. Today, any 13-year-old kid with a smartphone has 24-hour access to porn on a device that is given to him and paid for by his parents. That's a game changer. It's a game changer. There are more temptations today than in the past. Second reason is people are getting married later. Uh, people in our culture, I got married when I was 18. Uh, Katie was 12. And, and um, uh, people in our culture are waiting longer to get married. They are not waiting longer to have sex. Okay? You know, when you wait longer to get married, when you date longer, when you date more people over a period of time, uh, it increases the likelihood that, that you will do things while you're dating that ought to be reserved for marriage. And you know, and you just kind of fall into that, and then, you know, I've got a toothbrush at your place, you've got a toothbrush at my place, we're both paying bills, this is kind of economically unfeasible, we ought to just move into one place together, and then you pretend to be married when you're not. And couples do that because they want to protect themselves. They're not sure that the marriage is going to work out. And so they live together on kind of a trial basis uh, in an attempt to protect themselves. But if you're protecting yourself, why is it so painful when you break up? You know, it's painful because you were doing married things before you were married. And so you do that with one or two people or eight people. You know, you give your heart to this person, and then you break up, and you give your heart to this person, and then you break up, and you give your heart to this person, and then you break You know the number one way that dating couples break up today? The number one way dating couples break up is when one of them cheats on the other one. one of them, you know, dating does not teach people how to have healthy relationships. Dating teaches people how to break up and cheat. So then when you get a real spouse and things get difficult, which they always do, you, you just fall back to what you've been practicing for years. You just break up. Because you've been training yourself for divorce for all these years. 
And so for those of you who aren't married yet, you know, just write this down. Scroll this down somewhere on your outline. You don't build a life of purity on a foundation of sin. You don't build a life of purity on a foundation of sin. Now, many of you may say, you know, Pastor, I've already done that. I've already messed up. Now what am I supposed to do? You just claim the promise from God's Word. You just claim 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I mean, what a wonderful... No matter what you did yesterday, from this day forward, you can seek God and live life in purity. Now, the third reason that impurity in marriage is increasing... This is just a growing sense of entitlement in our culture. There's a sense that, uh, you know, I ought to get what I want. If I'm not getting it in my marriage, then I ought to be able to get it from someone or somewhere else because I'm entitled to it. If my husband's not meeting my emotional needs, then I'll just find some guy at work and have a crush on him because God wants me to be happy, right? And if she's not meeting my, my needs in my marriage, I'll get my needs met some other way because I deserve it. I mean, I work hard. Uh, I, I deserve this. I deserve a little enjoyment, a little distraction, a little eye candy, a little stimulation. I deserve it. So let's talk about purity. I want to talk to you today about inward and outward purity. The marriage bed should be kept pure. So let's talk about outward purity first, and that's our behavior, what we do, what we don't do. Ephesians 5.3 says, But among you, let's read this one out loud together. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity. Not even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity. Now, what is Impurity. If you look it up, basically, impurity is some sort of containment. Impurity is a poison. You know, we're not talking about, oh, there's a little dust in my water. We're talking about, there's cyanide in my water. You know, I'll choke down a glass of water if there's a little dust in it, if, if the need calls for it. But I am not going to drink a glass of water with cyanide in it, ever. You know, we're not talking about, oh, no, my cranberries got in my chicken pot pie. You know, my food's touching. I, I can't eat my chicken pot pie because there's cranberries in it. It's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a cat squatted on top of your chicken pot pie and it had diarrhea in it. Okay? I mean, you don't want to eat chicken pot pie with cat diarrhea. I mean, what is your level of tolerance for cat diarrhea in your chicken pot pie? I'll tell you what mine is. Not even a hint. Okay? Not even a hint. God says, not even a hint. No contamination in my marriage. So let's play a little game here just so we're all on the same page. And, and I'm going to ask, lay out some scenarios here and just ask you if there's even a hint of immorality. And I don't need you to call these out. It's not a call and response thing. Just in your own heart and mind. Just think, is there any immorality in that? Uh, for example, if you're married... And you have sex with a coworker or with the guy down the street who jogs without his shirt on. Is there a hint of immorality there? Uh, if you look at pornography on the, on your computer or, or on your phone, is there a hint of sexual immorality there? 
Uh, if you lust after Angel- Angelina Jolie or uh, if you're ladies at uh, Brad Pitt, is, is there a hint of sexual immorality there? Ladies, if you dress to, to show off or, or flaunt or expose what you got, then you're, you're dressing to uh, reveal and appeal rather than to conceal. Is there a hint of immorality there? Guys, if you're out on a business trip and you go to a bar and there's dancers there, is there a hint of immorality? If you're into the Twilight books and movies and you're reading about vampire and werewolf sex, is there a hint of immorality there? Oh, Pastor, it's just a movie. It's just a book. It'll spice up my marriage. It's no big deal. This stuff is a big deal. It's a big deal because this stuff never leaves you where you find you. It always takes you somewhere, and it takes you somewhere that you never dreamed that you would go. And guys get this. Guys know that the more porn you look at, the more porn you want to look at. You know, the more porn you look at, the, the more graphic, even perverse, it has to become in order to do the job. You know, this stuff doesn't leave you where it finds you. It takes you somewhere. And some of you have been lured into reading and watching stuff that you never dreamed that you would read and watch. I mean, how many of you ladies six or seven years ago would have ever thought that you would read books and watch movies about vampire sex? That you would watch movies that, that, that have prominent and repetitious decapitations? And you would do it with, with your daughters and nieces and your little friends. Now, let me tell you how this impurity thing works. When the Bible talks about impurity, it uses words, it uses language like lure and snare and trap and bait. It uses hunter and prey terminology. Because impurity it's attractive at first. It uses attractive bait. It's a pretty face. It's a good feeling. It's strong emotions. It's an interesting plot, a good storyline. It lures you in, and then it sets the bait. It sets the hook. Under that attractive bait, there is a dangerous hook, and then it reels you in, it lands you, and it guts you like a fish. I mean, how many times have you read a book or, or gone to a movie or gotten interested in a television series and you, know, you were attracted to the actor or to the storyline or, or just the adventure of it, and then after the movie you think, there were things in that movie that I wish I hadn't seen. There were immoral, impure things there that I wish they would have left out. It was bait and switch. They took me somewhere that I never intended to go. And so many of those images are implanted into your heart and mind. I mean, I have images in my head from movies that I saw as a kid that I wish I had never seen. I have whole excerpts from books that I wish I could forget. I have pictures in my mind that have been burned in my mind. I have struggled to get those pictures out of my mind for decades. And many of you guys know exactly the struggle that I'm talking about. Now, for some of you ladies, this is a new experience. This, this is a, a new thing in our culture. 
But, but let me ask you, when you first encountered some of this stuff, the, this new genre of, of stuff that's out there for ladies, the, the Twilight stuff and other stuff, Fifty Shades of Grey, Magic Mike, this kind of stuff, did you question if it was really okay? I mean, did you wonder, is this appropriate for me? Is this appropriate for my daughter? Was there a hesitancy? Was there a check in your spirit about that stuff? You know, after you, you read the book or saw the movie, was there stuff you I wish they would have left that out. I, I, I wish my daughter hadn't seen that. Or, or somewhere you just thought, man, that just crossed a line for me. You need to know that the book publishers in Hollywood know exactly what they are doing. They, they know exactly what they are doing. This stuff does not happen by accident. In fact, they have coined a new term for this whole genre of books and movies. It's called mommy porn. Mommy porn. And the target is women and their daughters. And it's intentional. The goal is to get as close to an R rating as they can possibly get and then to back off just enough so it gets a PG-13. Because they know that the money is in the 13 to 17-year-old girl market. And so this last Twilight film was reading a Los Angeles Times article that, that they tried desperately to get that movie a PG-13 rating. It was an R-rated movie and they backed off just enough so it would get the PG-13 because they wanted to get those young girls. It's not that they made a PG movie and, oops, that seems a little graphic, so now it's PG-13. No, it's exactly the opposite. You, you took your kid to an R-rated movie that, that they just cut back on just enough so that uh, you could let her in. Pastor, you're being too strict. You, you're being a legalistic old prude. Everybody reads these books, even Christians. Everybody goes to these movies, even Christians. Yeah. And everybody has affairs, and everybody gets addicted to porn, and everybody gets divorced, even Christians. But as your pastor, I want better for you than that. But if we're going to get to better, we've got to make better choices. You can't do what everybody else does and get different results than what everybody else gets. You know, Solomon, Solomon told this to his son about the immoral woman, Proverbs 5.8. He says, keep to a path far from her. Don't go near the door of her house. He says, don't let the poison even get close to you. What does Paul say about sexual immorality in, in 1 Corinthians 6.18? He says to flirt with it. Is that what he says? No, no. He says, flee, not flirt, flee from sexual immorality. Avoid this stuff like the plague. You know, Pastor, I'm an adult. I'm an adult. It's my body. It's my mind. It's my life. I can do whatever I want with it. Paul says, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Flee from anything that would be immoral or impure. Jesus said it like this. He said, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. If your right arm causes you to sin, cut it off. Now, is it being literal there? No. 
Because if he if he was, then next week we'd all be one-eyed, left-handed cyclops. Okay. Now he's not being literal there, but what he is saying is, do whatever it takes to keep the impurity out of your life, out of your marriage. Keep far, keep on a path far away from it. Flee from it. Now I don't know what this would look like in your life, but. In my life, I've set some boundaries uh, in my life because I'm going to stay away from anything that could hurt my intimacy with God, anything that could damage my marriage with Katie. And so I, I've just set some boundaries. And one of the boundaries I've set is I'm never alone with a woman besides my wife and my daughter. And I'm, I'm just not alone with a woman. I don't counsel women alone. Uh, when I counsel women, uh, Katie's usually with me. If I counsel them here at church, there's other people in the building and things going on. I don't travel alone with women. I don't get in the car and go to another location uh, with a woman alone. Only women I travel with alone are my wife and my daughter and my sister. I, I don't do lunch appointments alone uh, with women. Uh, you know, is it inconvenient? Uh, yeah. But I don't care. I'm just never alone with a woman. Uh, my computer, uh, my smartphone, I, I have software on there that sends a report to an accountability partner, if I look at anything inappropriate, I'm busted immediately. And my accountability partner is not my wife. I'll talk to some guys and I'll say, my wife is my accountability partner. I don't put that burden on her. She's my wife. She's not my conscience. You know, I don't need an accountability partner who's going to cry and be disappointed in me. I need an accountability partner who can kick my butt. I need an accountability partner with big feet, okay? Uh, and i got another guy. He's my accountability partner. And, and he, uh, we've got the agreement. He can look at my nook, my e-reader, anytime. We, we just have a standing agreement. He can knock on my door, and not, not from midnight to six, but anytime he can knock on my door, and here it is. This, this is what I'm reading. Now, you may say, well, Pastor, are you so weak? that you have to, to, you're so tempted by this stuff. And I'll be honest with you, I'll tell you, no, I'm not, usually. But I don't want to have a weak moment and be tempted and have to depend on my own strength. When temptation comes knocking, I have locked that door. Because time and time again, we see good men of strong character be tempted by what they're able to withstand. And the Bible says, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. I mean, in my lifetime, I've seen presidents, I've seen generals, I've seen pastors do stupid, stupid things with foolish women. And I am not going to be one of them. I'm not. I'm going to build whatever, I'm going to gouge my eye out, cut off my arm, I'm going to do whatever it takes to avoid that. Now, some married couples have decided not to have individual Facebook pages. They have Facebook pages together as a couple because then there's complete transparency. Uh, some couples share all, all their passwords to their, their computers, so there's nothing hidden from each other there. Uh, some people decide not to watch certain movies, certain TV shows, not to read certain books because they just don't want to be tempted in that way. They're not going to let our culture poison their marriage. You know, if you've got an accountability partner, you, you might decide that you're not going to have your accountability lunch at Hooters. Okay? 
So, you know, it, it's just wise to make decisions that keep you out of trouble. You know, we look at our outward behavior and we make sure that it's pleasing to God and we make sure that it protects us. But it takes more than just the outward. You've got to have the outward, but it takes more than the outward. It takes inward purity. And that's purity of the heart. And, you know, we've got to need to let God transform our hearts so we can live pure from the inside out. David asked this question in Psalm 119. He says, how can a young man keep his way pure? Great question. Temptations are everywhere. How do you stay pure? By living according to your word. You live according to God's word, not Hollywood, not the New York Times bestseller list. And then David makes a promise to God in verse 10. He says, I seek you with all my heart. Don't let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. I seek God in prayer. I seek God in his word so that God's word transforms my heart. And, and I can tell you, just from personal experience, that the more I am transformed by God's word, the better I can resist temptation. The more I, I, I pour myself into God, what used to tempt me now repulses me. You know, what used to tempt me, I now recognize, that's cat diarrhea. I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want that in my life. And when I get near something that would hurt my intimacy with God or something that would damage my marriage, I don't want any part of it. Too many people put the line for purity in the wrong place. They, they say, from this day forward, I'll be faithful to her. That means I'm never going to commit adultery. And so they draw the line at adultery. But what they don't realize is, is that before you commit adultery, there are dozens of sins that you commit before you get to that line. You're drawing the line in the wrong place. You've got to move the line back. You know, Jesus said if anyone looks lustfully at a woman, he's already done what? He's already committed adultery. Where? In his heart. It's not just that you conform outwardly. You've got to be transformed inwardly. And when you do that, you can reach a level of, of purity that you maybe never thought was possible. You can reach a level of purity that protects God and protects yourself. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know, when I stay in the word, I can stay pure. There is just a purifying effect where, where, the, where the word just flushes out the impurities. The word builds a check in my spirit so I can recognize sin and avoid it. You know, if I have impure thoughts, or if I'm tempted to read something, or I'm even pondering, well, I wonder what that's about. I wonder what's going on there. No, I know what that is. And I can resist it. I flee from it. Because purity matters in your marriage. Purity matters to God. God is holy. And God expects His children to be holy, to be set apart, different from the world, to be pure. And what we wear matters, what we look at, what we read, what we listen to, what we talk about, how we treat each other matters. Now, unfortunately, because we're all sinners, we can stumble and fall in, in these areas. Satan and sin and temptation are relentless in their attack on our lives. They're just relentless. So what do we do when we stumble and fall? Well, there are three responses, three responses to impurity. Uh, the first response is defensiveness. 
you, maybe I've struck a, a chord with you today. Maybe something I've said and your defenses are up. You, you're, you're defensive about your behavior. Well, I, I would just ask you, what is it that you are defending? Be careful what you defend. I mean, are you defending a legitimate Christian liberty in an area? Or are you defending your right to flirt with immorality? Big difference. You know, defensiveness can be a sign that I'm trying to rationalize sin in my life. Don't resist it when God speaks a word of correction into your life. Don't defend impurity. Flee from it. The second response is also ineffective, and that's the response of remorse. Now, it's a very common response. You know, we do something like this, but it's common. I'm just so bad. I'm just so horrible. I'm just such a worm. I mean, I just always fall into this trap. Well, yeah, we're all bad. We, We all sin. We're all sorry about it. But remorse is not an effective response to sin. Feeling bad about immorality isn't enough. It it takes more than remorse. It takes the third response. The the right response is repentance. Repentance is where I say, God, I have sinned. I do not want to do this anymore. God, come into my life. Change me. Turn my life around. Let me turn from my sin and pursue purity. God, clean me up. Make me pure. Help me to do different. Second Corinthians 7.10 Godly sorrow brings repentance. It brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. Defensiveness and remorse leave regret. Repentance leaves no regret. Worldly sorrow brings death. Now, maybe you've got a situation where impurity has crept into your marriage. And maybe you just need to confess that to one another. And you know, when, your, when your spouse just confesses that, it, just receive that with grace. Receive it with forgiveness. Recognize the courage that it takes to say, you know what, babe, I have been wrong. Recognize that. Repentance leads to salvation. It leaves no regret. Don't meet that with judgment. Meet it with grace. One final question. I want you to think back to your last encounter with impurity. Just think back to the last time that that you were tempted and and you just stumbled and you fell. And think about how you felt. How it affected your relationship with your spouse. How it affected your relationship with God. How it affected your self-esteem. Just the, the guilt and the shame and the remorse that you felt. And I want you to ask yourself this question. Was it worth it? Was it worth it? You know, this week, I just thought, I wonder if I could have a conversation with General David Petraeus and just ask him, General, was it worth it? What he would say. You know, let that question guide you when you find yourself facing temptation. Right before the click, right before the double look, right before you watch some show or read some book. You know, just just imagine the pain that it's going to cause Christ. Imagine the pain that it's going to cause your spouse. Imagine the, the pain that it's going to cause you and just ask yourself, 
is it worth it? Because I can tell you, the answer is always no. The answer is no. You know, never under any circumstance is there a sexual hint or thrill that is worth compromising your integrity. There's, it's never worth hurting your relationship with God. It's never worth opening up a door to hurt my spouse. Is it worth it? No. And maybe as, as I talk here today, you, you just come under some conviction about something impure in your life, a decision that you've made, a path you've been following. What do you do? If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We just confess it. And by the power of God's Word, we let God clean us up. And from this day forward, we stay pure. Let's pray together. Father, I just pray that your grace would sweep over this place, that that those those who are under conviction, that those who who are feeling regret and remorse, I just pray that they would turn to you and receive your forgiveness. God, God, help us understand this message is not about guilt. This message is about grace. This message is about receiving forgiveness and being made clean. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. God, I just would pray that as, as a congregation, as a church family, that, that we would keep the marriage bed pure. If you're here today and, and you're just in the midst of the struggle, would you just cry out to God say, God, forgive me. God, clean me up. If you've experienced victory in this area, would you say, God, help me to be even more pure. Help me to stay the course, not fall prey. And it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done or how bad you've been, or how good you've tried to be, God will hear your prayer. God will forgive your sin. And He will make you brand new. That's your desire. Would you you just pray, Jesus Christ, come into my life. Forgive me. Clean me up. And help me to stay pure by your grace. That's your prayer today. Would would you just lift your hand? Just lift your hand up as individuals. Just lift your hand up. and, And would you just say... From this day forward, I will stay pure. Let's say that together. From this day forward, I will stay pure. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name.